BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth and justice, believers in peace, freedom and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you. I continue to think we've got a great lineup of candidates and it's going to be interesting to see over the, the polling over the next couple of days, you know, who goes where and how. But so anyhow, let's uh, continue our conversations here. Zoe in Encino, California. Hey, Zoe, what's up? Hi, Tom. Thank you so much for your show and for all your wisdom that you share with us. I just want to say it was refreshing to see adults on the stage. Um, I just think it went really well. And I commend Rachel Maddow and the rest for doing such a great job. I also want to thank MSNBC. They made it free so I could watch it actually on my computer. Oh, that's great. Uh, I love your freespeech.org. I donate. I'm a contributor. I thought of two things. I thought we need Mr. Rogers back in our world. We also, yeah, I think of Carl Rogers, Dr. Carl Rogers, Mm -hmm. and person-centered therapy and how important his theories and concepts and his work has been. But I just want to mainly say thank you. I'm not going to worry about what's going on in Washington because I think the truth is coming out, and I really respect Adam Schiff and all of the people that are really looking to keep our democracy whole, and I think we're going to be just fine. So I hope have you're a right, wonderful Zoe. day. Thank you. And Thank you very much. doing what you do. I, I will do my very best. Thanks a lot, Zoe. It's great to hear from you. Rita in Chicago. Hey, Rita, what's up? Hi, Tom. You there? I am. And wasn't it refreshing to see adults on stage and compare that with four years ago, the Republican primaries, where everybody was trash talking each other. And, you know, Marco Rubio was saying Donald Trump had tiny hands and Trump was going out. I mean, it was (laughs) what a difference. The names were flying. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm a long time listener, first time caller. Mm -hmm. And I have a question. This has been bugging me. The whole, I've been listening as much as I can to the testimonies. Mm-hmm. The other day, when Lieutenant Colonel Vindman was speaking, I was riveted. You know, I was listening. I'm uh, listening to WCPT. Mm-hmm. Why, when he went to the lawyers, why was is that not considered blowing the whistle? Or am I missing something? I know where I work and where I've always worked. When if you've got a legal department, we've always been told if you have any questions about anything, you can always 
talk to legal? Right. Why wasn't that like blowing the whistle? What am well, I missing? blowing the whistle is a very specific act that's covered by law, where you're actually invoking protections by law, and you are asking that the information that you have be kicked up the chain of command. That's a different thing from going to the lawyers for the department that you work for and asking basically that something be memorialized, which I think is what Bolton was asking Fiona Hill to do and asking Vindman to do was basically saying, we all need a record of this. And, and if Bolton's being quoted correctly, it seems like if this whole drug deal went down, if, it, if this whole thing went south, if the word got out that they were trying to basically extort and bribe Ukraine and get them to uh, trash talk Joe Biden, the, you know, if, if that came out in a way that reflected on Trump and, and on all these guys, basically Bolton was saying, I don't want to be in the line of fire on this thing. So I think he was. He, I think it was more like a defensive act, whereas being a whistleblower is a prospective. It's not defensive. It's moving forward. Or it's carrying information forward. So, frankly, I think that that's what's going on. Rita, thank you for the call. Dean in Corpus Christi, Texas. Hey, Dean, what's up? Hey, Tom. I want to say thank you for your work. Sure. My biggest deal was I wanted to know who like enforces the Constitution, and I wanted to know how we can get them to enforce the third amendment and like with getting rid of this poor representation of a president and him having secret private meetings with russian leaders chinese leaders north korean leaders and they only benefit him and his company and not the people of the United States of America. Yeah. With regard to the Third Amendment, the Third Amendment says that the U.S. Army cannot force you to put soldiers up in your spare bedroom, basically, which was something that's called quartering soldiers and, and, and it's uh, quartering troops. And it's something that was done by the British to the Americans leading up to the Revolutionary War. And one of the reasons why it's in the Constitution, but it's an anachronism. It's no longer, you know, really applies to pretty much anything. But in terms of of Trump doing his job, as opposed to Trump looking out for his own interests, I am hopeful that one of the things that comes out of all this stuff, Dean, particularly these revelations of basically how genuinely corrupt Donald Trump is, how low he'll go, how deep he will stoop in order to feather his own nest or get reelected. And also how bizarre the whole the Republicans will go on this. I mean, you know, keep in mind, Lev Parnas, remember uh, Igor and Lev, right? Lev Parnas, these were the two guys who were arrested fleeing the country. They were arrested at Dulles Airport a couple weeks ago. They work with Rudy Giuliani. They're in tight with a bunch of Ukrainian oligarchs. This guy, Lev, was the one who took Devin Nunes. I mean, there's just an incredible story about it by John McCarter over Daily Kos. The attorney for Lev Parnas is a guy named Ed McMahon. I'm sorry, it wasn't Lev who took him. It was Ed McMahon. He helped Devin Nunes in his investigations in 2018, intended to undermine special counsel Robert Mueller's probe into Russian election meddling. And that, tri- that included a four-day trip that Nunes and three of his aides took at the end of November of last year. And that four-day trip, by the way, cost you and me 63000 bucks. Joe McCarter goes on to say Parnas has been a busy guy on behalf of Trump. You'll remember he's the one along with a colleague and, and fr- other friend Rudy of Rudy, Igor Fruman, who was given a secret James Bond mission from Trump at last year's White House Hanukkah party designed to pressure Ukraine into an investigation of Joe Biden and, and his son Hunter. This seems to be where this entire thing was cooked up, was uh, Lev Parnas and Igor Fruman and Rudy Giuliani and Donald Trump, the four of them, got together and cooked this thing up. And then, you know, Rudy 
was kind of shoving it down the throats of the State Department employees of the embassies and whatnot. And Lev and Igor were, you know, just out stirring the pot. And I think as more comes out, we're going to get how genuinely bizarre all of this is. All of that stuff is up in the air, but I think that it's a fascinating moment in American political history. We'll be back with more of your calls and the news of the day and the hearings in just a few minutes. It looks like the vote is over, but they haven't reconvened the hearings yet. So stick around. We'll be back with you in just a moment. informed other people about the call as well. So my recollection is when I did refer to the call in that meeting that Ambassador Taylor nodded knowingly as though he had been briefed on it. So I referred to the call and I mentioned some of my takeaways from the call. And at the time, the main takeaway from the call was the president doesn't care about Ukraine. So we're going to have a tough road ahead to convince him that it's important enough for him to schedule an Oval Office meeting for President Zelensky and ultimately to release this hold on security assistance. That was the takeaway. And that's what I referred to repeatedly in the coming weeks whenever it became relevant. I'll remind you, Maybe. sir, that one more important point. Throughout this time, as I've testified, we were trying to find a formula, things we could do with the Ukrainians that would convince the president that they were worth talking to. Maybe. Maybe Mr. Holmes, the takeaway was he thought it was no big deal because he already knew. He didn't remember because we already had the transcript. No, I, he I didn't remember that. the. He didn't remember the. We, we had the the, the, the Trump Zelensky transcript had been out for two months. Sir, I believe that when even I, though you're repeatedly bringing this conversation up, as you said to everybody, when it's when there any time there's a talk about Ukraine, you you recall this conversation. Maybe it was the transcript. The call happened on the July 25th. That's four months ago. The transcript's been out for two months. Maybe the ambassador thought this is this is nothing new here. But Shazam, last week you come forward with supposed this new information. There is nothing different in there than what we had on the transcript. Maybe that's the reason their star witness, their first witness didn't bring it up. But they had to have something. So you're their closing witness because you overheard you overheard the president talking to Ambassador Sondland. Sir, if I could answer, I see four seconds left on the clock. I Mr. believe Mr. that Mr. Holmes, you may take as long as you need. Thank you, sir. I believe that Ambassador Taylor did already know when I briefed him when I returned from vacation on the 6th. He, it was not news to him that the president was pressing for a Biden investigation. That's not what I asked. I asked why he didn't share with us. Mr. Well, Jordan, Mr. Jordan, please it, do not interrupt the witness any further. Uh, Mr. Holmes, this, this is exactly Mr. Jordan's my... time has expired, but yours is not. Okay, thank you, You may sir. answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly my point. I briefed the call in detail to the deputy chief of mission, went away for a week, come back, I refer to the call, and everyone is nodding. Of course that's what's going on. Of course the president is pressing for a Biden investigation before he'll do these things the Ukrainians want. There was nodding agreement. So did I go through every single word in the call? No, because everyone by that point agreed. It was obvious what the president was pressing for. And Ambassador Taylor, as you've just outlined, had all those other interactions. With but he all didn't these share it with us. Mr. Jordan, please do not interrupt. Sir, then, <laughs> that, but, but sir, my vivid recollection of an event I was involved with was a touchstone experience that to me validated and what, sir, Jordan, could, please what, what we interrupt. believed. And 
Ambassador Taylor was not in that call. And so all he of a sudden last week, Mr. you got to come Mr. tell Jordan, us, right? Mr. Jordan, Mr. Jordan, your boss will allow the witness to answer the question. I'll, I'll, I'll finish with this. Thank you. He was involved in a number of other interactions, as you've outlined, that brought him to the same conclusion. It is quite possible that that... But he doesn't share the Mr. one that Mr. the guy Jordan, he Mr. Jordan, he doesn't share Mr. that Mr. Jordan, you may not like the witness's answer, but we no, will I, hear I, it. There wasn't an answer. Mr. Jordan, we will hear the witness's answer. Have you concluded, Mr. Holmes? I have, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Himes. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Chairman, Dr. Hill, Mr. Holmes. Thank you for your testimony. Dr. Hill, you made a fairly dramatic comment in your opening statement to which the ranking member took some exception. I'm more interested in the Ukraine piece of this, but you said some of you on this committee appear to believe that Russia and its security services did not conduct a campaign against our country and that perhaps somehow, for some reason, Ukraine did. I'm really much more interested in the Ukraine piece of this, but I do want... So Democrat Jim Himes is questioning Dr. Hill right now. This is about basically Trump and his love of conspiracy theories. Right. Something that you or somebody else might have said, and then you proceed to say what you want to say. Right. So here this it is. What is. Ambassador Charlie does is he talks about Ukraine's position vis-a-vis -vis Russia and Russian aggression against Ukraine. Yeah. And l l let me just read, because it's worth people hearing what this severe attack on candidate Trump, who has suggested that the, that the Crimeans would rather be with Russia. Ambassador Charlie, Charlie writes... Even if Trump's comments are only speculative and do not really reflect a future foreign policy, they call for appeasement of an aggressor and support the violation of a sovereign country's territorial integrity and another's breach of international law. Dun, dun, dun. That's the attack on candidate well, Trump. Does correct. that sound like election interference to you? Well, I would say that it's probably not the most advisable thing to do for an ambassador because you never know who's going to win. And I think that the second piece that was presented to me at great length, and I want to thank Mr. Castor for making me go back and read it again, because when you asked me the questions about it, I did remember the piece. Kenneth Vogel is a very well-known and, you know, as you've pointed out, extremely good uh, journalist. And I'd remembered reading this back in the day in January of 2017, but it had been a long time between then and October. And you gave me um, a copy and I went back and read it again because I think it actually is extraordinarily important. It gets to this issue here. Mr. Vogel points out that the Ukrainian government, again, you know, they wouldn't have done very well at the bookies, picking up the issue I pointed out at the beginning of today. They bet on the wrong horse. They bet on Hillary Clinton winning the election. And so, you know, they were trying to curry favour with the Clinton campaign. It's quite evident here. And he relates, to some extent, individuals and some Ukrainian officials, uh, like Mr. Avakov, the interior minister, and a number of other people uh, that he names uh, here and that have been named at various points, and talks about how they were trying to collect information, as uh, Ranking Member Nunes said, on Mr. Manafort and on uh, and other people as well. However, I do want to point out that the, the crux of uh, the article here by Mr. Vogel is he said there was little evidence of a top-down effort by Ukraine. And he makes a distinction uh, between the Russian effort that was personally directed by Russian President Putin and involved the country's military and foreign intelligence services. Now, I don't think that those two things are exactly the same. I also mentioned in my deposition of October 14th that, in fact, many officials from many countries, including Ukraine, bet on the wrong horse. They believed that Secretary Clinton, former Senator Clinton, former First Lady Clinton was going to win. And many said some pretty disparaging and hurtful things about President Trump. And I can't blame him for feeling aggrieved about them. And when we were 
setting up head of state visits, and I remember I have a portfolio of 50 plus countries plus NATO and the European Union, we thought it prudent to collect as much as possible about comments that people might have said about the president during the campaign when he was either one of the candidates uh, to be the nominee for the Republican Party or when he was actually the candidate running against Hillary Clinton. And I'm sorry to say that an awful lot, and perhaps I shouldn't name them here because it will have consequences, an awful lot of senior officials in many governments, including our allied governments, said some pretty hurtful things about the president. And I would also personally take offence at some of the things that were said if I were the president. Now, the difference here, however, is that that hasn't had any major impact on his feelings towards those countries. Not that I have seen. But I, I've also heard the president say, and he said it in, in other public, words, so I'm not, politicians um, all over the world trash-talked Trump when he was a candidate, but the only country that he's punishing well, for trash-talking him right now is Ukraine. Ukrainian officials, Ambassador Charlie's been removed as being the ambassador from here, made some pretty you know, unpleasant statements um, about or some ill-advised op-eds. But I could list a whole host of ambassadors from allied countries who tweeted out, who had public comments about the president as well. And it did not affect security assistance having meetings with them. If it would, there'd been a lot of people he wouldn't have met with. Th thank you, Dr. Hill. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I seek unanimous consent to uh, add to the record a Politico article of December 1st, 2016, entitled Russia Accuses Ukraine of Sabotaging Trump. It outlines this is uh, the Russian piece, senior officials uh, making allegations that there was Ukrainian interference in the 2016 election. Without objection. Uh, Mr. Conaway. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I yield to Mr. Ratcliffe five minutes. Thank the gentleman for yielding. I want to pick so up where my we're back to Mr. colleague Radcliffe, across the, the Republican. aisle, Congressman Himes, left off earlier. Respectfully, Dr. Hill, he was not defending you. He was defending himself and Democrats. I want to make sure the record's very clear. Ranking member Nunes was correct. He correctly noted in his opening that Republicans, not Democrats on this committee, were the first ones, the first ones to raise the issue of Russian interference in the 2016 election. The disagreement wasn't about Russian meddling. The disagreement was about whether or not President Trump conspired with Russia, a false allegation peddled by the Democrats generally and specifically by some Democrats on this committee. With that, Mr. Holmes, I want to turn to you and the part of the conversation, your testimony where you said you heard President Trump say, is he going to do the investigation? And Ambassador Sondland said he's going to do it. He'll do anything you ask him to. Is that right? Yes, sir. What did President Trump say next? He said, what about Sweden? He said what? Sir, he, sorry, I need to look at back where we are in the middle of the conversation here. Where are we from the testimony? This right. is, exactly. This is, so this, then yeah, they turned to the Sweden is, conversation. Again, he's trying to get Holmes What to, did President Trump say next? He said, stumble. good, what about Sweden? Good, what about Sweden? Good, what about Sweden? Why isn't that in, the, in your statement? Because the statement wasn't about a rapper, it was not about... A word for word, every single word in the conversation. But it's the most important part of the conversation. Well, then they turned to Sweden. They turned to the other topic. Respectfully, Mr. Holmes, this impeachment inquiry is based on the call the day before where President Trump, as part of a bribery scheme, as part of an extortion scheme, as part of a quid pro quo, according to the Democrats, demanded investigations in exchange for either military aid or a White House meeting. And the next day, 
you were witness to President Trump receiving word that the bribery scheme was successful, the extortion scheme was successful. His response was, good. What about Sweden? Yes, sir. The, the Ukraine portion of that conversation was extremely brief. What was the first thing the president said? You mean on the he call? didn't rub his hands together and cackle? <laughs> we have them now. I mean, this is just an absurd line this of questioning. They, they clear, you had a clear recollection yes, of this sir. conversation. Yes, sir. Mr. Radcliffe, please allow Mr. Holmes to answer. Yes, sir. Uh, Sondland greeted the president. How? He said, "I'm in." He said, "Mr." He said, "Hello, Mr. President. I'm in Ukraine. I'm in Kiev." And the president said, "Are you in Ukraine?" You think he said, "I think you're in your, in Ukraine." He said, "What?" He said, "Are you in Kiev, Ukraine?" What did you hear President Trump say about ASAP Rocky? I did not hear President Trump's side of the conversation about ASAP Rocky. You said, "How did we go from the conversation was very loud and rec his voice was recognizable to, as you say here, when the conversation shifted, I could only hear Ambassador Sondland's side of the conversation." Yes, sir. As I've testified, the initial part of the call, Ambassador Sondland, sort of when the president came on the call, he sort of winced and held the phone away from his ear for the initial portion of the call, and then at some point in the call, he stopped doing that. And I don't know why. I don't know if he turned the volume down. I don't know if the president spoke more quietly. I don't know if he got used to the, to the volume. I don't know what changed. What, what did change? It's important. This was memorable. I don't know, sir. It was Ambassador Sondland stopped moving the phone away from his ear. That's, what, That's what it was? Yes. Okay. Radcliffe is having a little bit of a challenge here. <laughs> Try. How did the conversation trying, end? Trying to blow up this conversation. I only heard Ambassador Sondland's side of the conversation, sir. And at the end of the conversation, he said, he was giving the president advice on how to deal with this ASCP Rocky situation. And he said, you know, you should have, they should have released him on your word and you can tell the Kardashians you tried. Okay. So to be clear, when President Trump received word that President Zelensky had agreed to the investigations, he said, good, what about Sweden? Yes. Okay. When exactly did Gordon Sondland ask President Zelensky about the investigations. I'm sorry, sir. When did he ask about the investigations? When did Gordon Sondland ask Zelensky about the investigations? Yeah. You're asking, in, which, in which meeting did he raise the investigations? Well, it was raised the day before on a call, and the next yes. day, Gordon Sondland said the answer to that was yes, he's going to do the investigation. So when did he ask about the investigation? My, my assumption is he did it in the closed-door meeting with Yermak. Well, I don't want to... Uh, the time of the gentleman has expired. I appreciate that, but I want to make sure the record's clear that yesterday Ambassador Sondland testified the that the topic of conversations did not come up on that day. I time of the gentleman has expired. Ms. Sewell, you're recognized. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I'd like to thank both of our witnesses for being here today. I'd like to turn our discussion to the campaign to, to remove... This is Terry Sewell, the uh, Democrat of uh, Alabama. Ambassador Yovanovitch. Uh, both of you, in your various capacities, had to work with her, and both of you witnessed what I would call a smear campaign. I wanted to know your thoughts, Dr. Hill. What was your view of Ambassador Yovanovitch's experience and quality of her work in the Ukraine, and do you consider it to be a smear campaign? I have the highest regard for Ambassador Yovanovitch, both in terms of her integrity and the high standards of work that she was carrying out as ambassador in Ukraine and across her, her whole career. I do believe that there was a smear campaign, and I just want to say, again, for the record, that I think it was unnecessary. If there was a decision to have a political ambassador put in place in Ukraine, 
that would be uh, perfectly acceptable. It's exactly the right of the president to be able to do that. I did just did not see why it was necessary to malign Ambassador Ivanovic to such an extent. Mr. Holmes, would you agree with that? And can you talk about uh, the character, integrity, and performance of Professor I mean, uh, Ambassador Ivanovic? It's the House Ukraine. Impeachment. This yes, is actually the House Intelligence Committee serving as uh, the Impeachment Committee. Ms. Sewell of Alabama is uh, the representative. Sewell is questioning Mr. Holmes. Uh, we'll continue with this in just a moment. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Basically, what's happening right now is that the Republicans are trying to impeach or to discredit the previous witnesses like Sondland and Vindman, and it's not working. It was a very confusing time, as I've said uh, before. The uh, president has the right to remove an ambassador for any or no reason at all. It was not clear to us why this was happening or why people weren't standing up for her. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Breaking news. I finally found a topic everyone can agree on. No matter what party you support, the ideas you believe in, or opinions you may have, we can all agree on the fact that aging stinks. Under eye bags, fine lines, wrinkles, crow's feet, no one can escape it. Luckily, I found just the product to help. It's called Plexiderm Rapid Reduction Serum, a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates all your key signs of aging. And the best part is it works in minutes. Now that's newsworthy. No bias here. Plexiderm works. And with all the holiday parties coming up, there's no invasive surgeries, no complication, and the best part is no one has to know that you're wearing it. It's remarkable. You'll look just like you, only years younger. Go to triplexiderm.com and use my code TOM, T-H-O-M, for 50% off plus an additional 10 bucks off. That's right, 50% off plus an extra $10 off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning the code TOM, T-H-O-M. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit triplexiderm.com today and use the code TOM at checkout, T-H-O-M. That's triplexiderm.com, code TOM. I'd like to now turn, Dr. Hill, to your boss. Your boss was Ambassador Bolton, right? That's correct, yes. Uh, did your boss... Ambassador Bolton, tell you that Giuliani was, quote, a hand grenade? He did, yes. What do you think he meant by his characterization of Giuliani as a hand grenade? What he meant by this was pretty clear to me in the context of all of the statements that Mr. Giuliani was making publicly, that the uh, investigations that he was promoting, that the storyline he was promoting, the narrative of, uh, he was promoting was going to backfire. I think it has backfired. Uh, was that narrative also inclusive of falsehoods about um, Ambassador Yovanovic? At the particular juncture that Ambassador Bolton uh, made that comment, absolutely, because that was in the context of my discussions with him about what was happening to Ambassador Yovanovic. I um, was particularly struck by your testimony, Dr. Hill, about receiving hateful calls and being accused of being a, a, a Soros mole in the White House. Are you a a never-Trumper, or have you been true to your profession and remain uh, nonpartisan? I honestly don't know what the definition of a never-Trumper is, as I, I think many of my colleagues um, are feeling the same way. That is a puzzling um, term uh, to be applied to career or nonpartisan uh, officials. And I chose to come into the um, administration. I could easily have said no when I was approached. Uh, yes, by but the you didn't sign up to have hateful calls and, 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 and the like. 
I guess, unfortunately, where we are today in America, that's coming with the territory. They're continuing, honestly. I mean, we're constantly having to block um, Twitter um, posts of my name and address and on, on the uh, internet. We've been doing this over the last couple of days. I think that uh, you and as I agree. said in my deposition, this could happen to any single person in this room, be it members of the press, be it members of Congress, and be it the staff. And I think we have to find ways of combating this. And again, this gets back, sadly, to things that our adversaries can also exploit. Exactly. I think you would agree with me that this shouldn't become the new normal. Would you it agree? It should not. Um, I also think that uh, this kind of behavior, instead of uh, keeping you down, would make you undeterred. Are you, are you more determined to continue to do your work and to do it professionally? I am, and I think that all my colleagues are as well, because just as you said, we can't let this stand, and I don't think anyone here wants to let this stand. I actually don't believe that this is a partisan issue. I don't think anybody wants to come under personal attack. Yeah, I unfortunately think that this has become the new norm and we're being led by the very top of uh, the food chain, which is our president, which is unfortunate. I'm especially disheartened by uh, his treatment of women. And I think that uh, the fact of the matter is that there's a long line of strong, talented women who have been um, part, smeared and victimized by this president. And we can either choose to ignore it or do something about it. And frankly, I think that whether you uh, voted for him or whether you supported him or not, uh, that doing so is wrong. You could simply just remove someone. You don't have to smear them. Thank you, and I yield back my time. Mr. Turner. Right. I just want to echo that sentiment and certainly lament the attacks that have been uh, levied against our colleague Lee Stefanik uh, on this panel, um, which have been uh, vile and, and hateful. Um, for those of you keeping score at home, the effort to accuse our president of coercion, extortion, or bribery with these witnesses as we now come to the closing session of this uh, basically break down as follows. We have Kenton Ambassador Taylor, who spoke of hearsay. Their hearsay of these matters that they said that they had heard were all statements that they'd heard from others who have also testified in front of us. So there's no one that's missing. There's no one out there. Kenton Taylor basically said that they'd heard it from Morrison and Sondland. Morrison indicated he'd heard it from So this is, uh, we're listening to the hearing here, and uh, this is Representative Turner, the Republican, who is trying to indicated he had trash talk with Fiona no Hill. one on the planet. Uh, Volker testified that he did have direct contact both with uh, the Ukrainians and with the President of the United States and indicated that the President of the United States did not condition either a phone call, a meeting, or aid upon Ukraine undertaking investigations and also testified that the Ukrainians did not believe that either. We also have the direct statements from the President of Ukraine and the Foreign Minister that they did not feel any pressure to undertake investigations. And we also have the evidence that we're all very much aware of, which is they did not undertake any investigations. Um, we also have Ivanovich and Dr. Hill. Basically, um, what he's doing is he's Yovanovich recapping for Fox News the Republican talking points. Hill. This is the new Republican Hill, narrative. You have provided me probably the greatest uh, piece of, of, of evidence that's before us to illustrate the problem with hearsay. So you said, based on questions and statements, I have heard some of you on this committee, that'd be us, appear to believe that Russia and its security services did not conduct a campaign against our country. 
and perhaps somehow for some reason it was Ukraine. So this is the, was held up by Devin Nunes. This is the report on Russian active measures that was voted on by all of us. It begins with this sentence. In 2015, Russia began engaging in a covert influence campaign aimed at the U.S. presidential election. Every one of us, a little small, like, uh, you know, effort on your part, Dr. Hill, and you would have known that what you just said was not true, what you had heard, but you felt the need to put it in your eight-page statement before you went on to tell us a bunch of other things that you heard about other people, no matter how convinced you were of, also which were not necessarily true. One of which was that you said that uh, Ambassador Sondland met with Giuliani. Actually, Ambassador Sondland testified here that he had not, as ambassador, met with Giuliani. He'd briefly met him in his lifetime by shaking his hand. And Giuliani issued a statement that they had never met either. This is the problem with no matter how convinced we are, Dr. Hill, no matter how much we believe we know that what we've heard is true, it is still just what we've heard. But so far in this, in this hearing, in the, this series of hearings, the only thing that we have is Volker saying, I spoke to the president and I've spoke to the Ukrainians, neither of which believed that aid was, was conditioned, neither of which believed uh, that um, the president was requiring it. And Ambassador Sondland, which said no one on the planet told him that that was the case. That's the sole evidence. Now, I got to tell you, the one thing that's interesting is, is um, Ambassador Sondland did say is his belief that a meeting with the president was conditioned uh, upon investigations. Uh, Ambassador Volker, who I think is a man of very significant integrity, said that that was not the case. Now, even if Ambassador Sondland is correct that somebody, and, and Dr. Hill, you testified, and again, it's hearsay, you don't know, that supposedly Mulvaney told him that, because he didn't testify to that. But let's say somebody beside the president told him that. I, you guys want to be the laughing stock of history to Im impeach a president of the United States because he didn't take a meeting? Oh, please, dear God, uh, please undertake that. Now, um, Mr. Holmes, I, I got to tell you, <clears throat> Uh, you is say there a, that you're is there. Is there a question for Dr. Hill? Mr. Holmes, <laughs> in your testimony, you said that um, Sondland said he loves your ass and also said he'll do anything that you want. Mm -hmm. Mr. Holmes, that information had nothing whatsoever to do with the subject matter of any of these hearings. It was, it was anecdotal. It was extraneous. Your statements that your interests are protecting Ukraine are so very the, the ongoing Republican attempt President to impeach is the correct word, but in this make. context is confusing. To, to trash talk you know, you didn't embarrass Ambassador the witnesses Zelensky, who are concerned you know about Trump running this, this uh, and people are hearing that statement to, as if it's time of the gentleman. totally dubious of you did. CBD oil has got a lot of uses, and a lot of people are discovering the benefits of it, including me. New Leaf Naturals is the CBD oil we're using. CBD oil. It doesn't get you high, so you get the benefits of medical marijuana without the marijuana. The CBD is made from hemp. It's non-toxic and has potent pain relieving and anti-inflammatory properties. The brand I trust the most is New Leaf Naturals, NU Leaf Naturals, the highest quality CBD oil on the market, 100% organic, highly concentrated, no additional additives, grown right here in the USA, and the only ingredient is hemp, so it remains in its most pure and simple form, and it's legal all across the country. Go to newleafnaturals.com, that's n-u-leafnaturals.com, and save 30% off and get free shipping in the U.S. when you use the code TOM, spelled T-H-O-M. Go to n-u-leafnaturals.com for premium cannabinoid wellness. There's only one place, newleafnaturals.com. Grown right here in the USA, n-u-leafnaturals.com, code TOM. That's newleafnaturals.com.
We're in the segment now where they're going back and forth five minutes uh, for a Democrat, five minutes for a Republican, back and forth. It'll probably continue for another 30 minutes. President Fallon were both involved with a letter President Trump sent to the Ukrainian president on May 29th congratulating him on his inauguration. Do you recall that, ma'am? Uh, I did, yes. Uh, and towards the end of that letter, President Trump closed with, quote, I would like to invite you to meet me at the White House in Washington, D.C. as soon as we can find a mutually convenient time, end quote. Dr. Hill, was this congratulatory letter drafted through the normal procedures at the NSC uh, that the NSC uses to send letters to foreign heads of state? The first part of it was, except the last paragraph. Uh, you also testified uh, that Ambassador Sondland told you that he had dictated that line to the president and that Mr. Mulvaney, he told Mr. Mulvaney to add that to the letter. Is that correct, ma'am? That's correct. Uh, you said that you were nervous about that. Why were you nervous, Dr. Hill? Because at this juncture, um, it had become uh, quite apparent that the president wasn't very keen on having uh, a meeting uh, with Mr. Zelensky for all the reasons that we've been uh, trying uh, to lay out today. And uh, we were, um, once one puts in a letter like that, uh, you raise the expectation of, a letter, of a, an invitation uh, coming shortly. Dr. Hill, you also testified, ma'am, that Ambassador Sondland was frequently meeting with Mr. Mulvaney. Uh, Mr. Giuliani's campaign of lies ultimately led to Ambassador Yovanovitch being recalled from her post this in April is Democrat 2019. Andre Carson. You've also testified, ma'am, that her re removal was pretty dispiriting and a turning point for you. Can you explain to us why, ma'am? Well, again, as we've all made clear, Ambassador Yovanovitch, and you saw for yourselves in her deposition, is uh, a person of great integrity. Uh, she's one of our finest uh, foreign service officers, career foreign service officers. And um, if there'd been a decision to uh, remove her, to replace her with uh, a political appointee, uh, again, that, would, that is perfectly within the rights of the president. Sometimes it's highly advisable, in fact, uh, to emphasize to a country just exactly how close the relationship is likely to be, to have an appointee who is close to the president if it's an important uh, relationship. But what was dispiriting was all of the accusations that were um, being fired at uh, Ambassador Ivanovich, leading her to be tweeted, uh, including by members of uh, the president's uh, family. We all firmly believe that Mr. Giuliani and others, uh, including uh, the uh, people who were recently indicted, the Ukrainian-American uh, gentleman, had for some reason decided that Ambassador Ivanovich was some kind of personal problem for them. And that they had then decided to engage in just the kinds of things we've been discussing about. And frankly, she was an easy target as a woman. And I'm very sorry to hear about what's happened to Congressman Stefanik. And I think that this just illustrates uh, the point and the problem uh, that we're dealing with here today. Certainly. I was also struck by your testimony that you were also the target of false accusations during your time in the Trump administration. You testified, ma'am, about receiving hateful calls and being accused of being, quote, a mole in the White House. You testified about death threats and calls at your home. Is that right? That's correct. That was in 2017. Well, I'm sorry you've had to go through all of this, ma'am. Um, you don't strike me as a woman who was easily deterred. Uh, you're not easily deterred, are you, Dr. Hill? I'm not, no. Thank you both for your service. I yield back, Chairman. Thank you, sir. Um, I thank the gentleman for yielding. Um, just another fact check, and again, my caution to both of you that representations about what prior witnesses said or what you have even said uh, may not be consistent with the facts. This was from uh, Ambassador Sondland's opening statement. 
After the Zelensky meeting, I also met with Zelensky's senior aide, Andrei Yermak. I don't recall the specifics of our conversation, but I believe the issue of investigations was probably a part of the, that agenda or meeting. Um, now recognize Dr. Wenstrup. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and thank you both for being here. You know, in 1998, I voluntarily joined the United States Army Reserve because I saw our country under attack time and time again. Bill Clinton was the president. I didn't vote for Bill Clinton, but he was my commander in chief. It didn't matter that I didn't vote for him. I'm grateful to live in a country that gets to legitimately elect our leaders. And I've been to places where people don't get to, and it's not pretty. And I respect our system, and I accept the results that are determined by the American people. I deployed to Iraq 2005-2006 as an Army surgeon with soldiers from many backgrounds. The most important thing was we were all Americans. That was first and foremost. In our mission, we treated our troops, we treated the enemy, winning over the hearts and minds of people that never knew us because of their dictator, Saddam Hussein, who told them that we were responsible for all their problems, and that was his narrative. And speaking of narratives, Dr. Hill, I'm sorry, I have to say this. You said based on statements you've heard that some in this committee believe Russia did not conduct a campaign against our country is false. That's Mr. Schiff's narrative. That's where you've heard it. We did a whole report on it. And we agree that Russia has done this since the Soviet Union, and they've actually gotten better at it. That's a problem. But at the same time, certain Ukrainians did work against candidate Trump, some with the DNC. And if that's debunked, why is it Mr. Schiff has denied DNC operative Alexandra Chalupa from testifying to come forward and debunk it? I ask America, was it good for the country for the DNC and the Clinton campaign to pay Christopher Steele to dig up fake dirt with other foreign service sources on their political rival? Was it good for America to claim having evidence of the president colluding with Russians when he did not, costing... The new strategy of the Republicans is to give long speeches uh, filled with accusations, innuendo, and half-truths, and then not allow the uh, person who they're seemingly questioning to respond, because, you know, when these people respond, it doesn't work out well for the Republicans. This is Brad Winstrom, Republican. But I'm curious. This impeachment inquiry was announced by the Speaker before the whistleblower complaint was even out. I'm curious how, why the lawyer for the whistleblower announced that the coup to impeach the president, that he announced that right after Trump won. That's pretty damning. I know it hurts after losing an election, especially as Americans, we usually get over it. And I imagine it would hurt even more if you were promised a position in the next administration and lost, and your hopes and your dreams are dashed. You know, I've seen hatred for political reasons, specifically on June 14th, 2017, at a ball field in Virginia. And I've seen hatred in war. And I know that hatred blinds people. I've been in war, and I've studied war. And coups create division. 
And it's time for this phase of the publicly announced and proclaimed Democrat coup to end. Thank you for your service. Thanks for being here. And I yield back. Could I actually say something? Because we've had three... Um, Doctor, I was going to I was gonna ask you if you'd like to respond. There have been a number... I, 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 I Gentleman suspended. Dr. Hill, you may respond. No, I think that what uh, Dr. Wenstrup said was um, very powerful um, about the importance of uh, overcoming hatred and uh, certainly partisan um, uh, division. And it's unfortunate that um, Congressman Turner and Ratcliffe have uh, both left as well. Because I think all of us who came here um, under a legal um, obligation also felt we had a moral obligation to do so. We came as fact witnesses. When I was referring to questions that I'd heard, it was in the context of the deposition uh, that I gave on October 14th. Because I was very worried about the turn uh, in which um, some of the questions were taking. And I understand that the point is being made about uh, individuals, as, as you've just said, uh, Dr. Wenstrup, and that these articles lay out uh, taking different positions in uh, our elections. I don't believe that there should be any interference of any kind in our election. I think it was unfair uh, for people to already call the election and to uh, make attacks also on uh, candidate Trump and on President Trump. And I know that this has put a huge cloud over this presidency and also over our whole democratic system. That's actually why as a non-partisan person and as an expert on Russia and an expert on Vladimir Putin and on the Russian security services, I wanted to come in to serve the country to try to see if I could help. I heard President Trump say that he wanted to improve the relations with Russia. I believe we have to. We can't be in this unending confrontation with Russia. We have to find a way to stabilize that relationship and to professionalize that relationship, as well as to stop them from doing what they did in 2016 again in 2020. This is really the crux of the issue that I and others are, are trying to uh, put across, and I think that you've put across uh, very eloquently. The other matters related to this inquiry, we're here just to provide what we know and what we've heard. I understand that for uh, many members this may be hearsay. I've talked about things I heard with my own ears. I understand that Ambassador Sondland has said a lot of things. I've told you what he told me and what others told me. A lot of other people have said things to me again as well and also to Mr. Holmes and we're here to relate to you what we heard, what we saw and what we did. And to be of some help to all of you in really making a very momentous decision here. We are not the people who make that decision. And I do again want to underscore what you said here, Dr. Winstrup. It was very eloquent and very moving about your service and trying to bring us all together again as Americans. We need to be together again in 2020 so the American people can make a choice about uh, the future and about um, make their vote in a presidential election without any fear that this is being interfered in by any, from any quarter whatsoever. So I just want to thank you for making what I think was also a very elegant and eloquent and heartfelt defense. Thank you, Dr. Hill. Uh, Ms. Spear. Chairman, thank you. And Dr. Hill, uh, Jackie Mr. Holmes, Spear, Democrat from California. Thank you both for being fact witnesses. We are here as fact finders, and we appreciate very much your presentations. Uh, Dr. Hill, I want to um, verify this story. I understand that when you were 11 years old, um, there was a schoolboy who set your pigtails on fire. 
and you were taking a test, you turned around and with your hands um, snuffed out the fire and then proceeded to finish your test. Is that a true story? It is a true story. I was a bit surprised to see that pop up today. It's one of the stories I occasionally tell because it had some very unfortunate consequences. Afterwards, my mother gave me a bowl haircut. <laughs> so for the, um, the school photograph later in that week, I look like Richard III, or as if I'm going to be in a permanent... Well, I think day. it underscores uh, the fact that you speak um, truth, um, that you are steely, um, and I truly re respect that. Uh, let me move to your testimony and your deposition. Uh, you had indicated you were deeply troubled by Ambassador Yovanovitch's, um, the attacks on her, and you underscored again today that all ambassadors serve at the pleasure of the president. And certainly in the case of uh, Ambassador Yovanovitch, he could have just asked her um, to come home. But that didn't happen. In fact, there was a systematic character assassination that went on. Uh, it went on from 2018, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but you say, and the most obvious explanation at this point, it has to be said, seemed to be business dealings of individuals who wanted to improve their investment positions inside of Ukraine itself. You were then asked, who do you understand was responsible for her removal? And you said, I understand this to be the result of the campaign that really Mr. Giuliani had set in motion in conjunction with people who were writing articles and you know publications that I would have expected better of. And also, you know, just the constant drumbeat of these accusations that he was making on the television. So. <coughs> Rudy Giuliani was playing fast and furious in Ukraine, it would appear. Is that correct? That's correct. And uh, he had no official tasking within the administration. Is that correct? Not that I had been told of. But he frequently met with Ukrainian officials to request that they open an investigation. So I was led to understand, yes. You testified that Mr. Giuliani's involvement was, quote, a massive complication in terms of our engagement with Ukraine. That's correct. Would you like to explain that? Well, I think I already laid that out in um, an earlier part of uh, response uh, to some of uh, the questions. Um, we were actually uh, conducting, which, you know, for a lot of the American people might seem to be a rather boring standard um, bilateral uh, policy uh, toward Ukraine, pushing them on issues of reform in the energy sector and more broadly. Um, we were concerned, obviously, about corruption in Ukraine. We were trying to help Ukraine regain its sovereignty after the attacks uh, by Russia. So how um, did Mr. Giuliani's involvement affect Well, we, were, we basically had worked out over a course of two years and uh, in conjunction, close conjunction with the embassy in Kiev, uh, an interagency agreed action plan. And these are things that, in fact, Colonel Vindman and others were working on, basically moving forward on the various issues that were on the list of items. Clearly, uh, um, Rudy Giuliani and other people didn't care at all about this. All right. Clearly, Ambassador Sondland wasn't particularly interested in it either. It's quite boring. It wouldn't make for good copy in the press. And it's the kind of thing that everybody in a routine moves forward on. Um, Mr. Holmes... You talked about the um, extraordinary power that uh, Russia tries to assert against Ukraine. Um, so since President Zelensky never got his White House meeting, um, doesn't that make Ukraine look weak? And doesn't that benefit Russia? Uh, 
<clears throat> Absolutely, it All right. does. Um, so promoting Putin's false claim of Ukraine intervention into the U.S. election also benefits Russia, doesn't it? It does. So uh, when President Trump meets privately with Vladimir Putin at the G20 summit, who does that benefit? Well, it doesn't help Ukraine. It doesn't help Ukraine. And by President Trump calling Ukraine corrupt and not North Korea, for instance, um, does that accrue to Russia's benefit? Again, it doesn't help Ukraine. All right. Um, I thank you, and Mr. Chairman, I'll yield the rest of my time to you. <laughs> You're yielding me three seconds. <laughs> not even I can make use of three seconds. Uh, Mr. Stewart. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Hild, Ms. Holmes, thank you for being here. Uh, I actually have no questions for you that haven't already been asked or made any points that haven't already been made. Um, and I guess I'll just conclude Representative by Chris Stewart, something he's a Republican. I've said before. This impeachapalooza tour finally comes to an end. I mean, a year of resistance, two and a half years of these absurd accusations against the president of Russian collusion. We've gone from quid pro quo to bribery to extortion, seven weeks of hearings, 16 secret closed door sessions, 12 public hearings now of which you are the last, hundreds of hours of testimony. And I really think that for those who hate the president, they haven't changed their minds, but there's a lot of Americans who look at this and they think, is that it, really? You're going to impeach and remove a president for this. Now, like I said, if you don't like the president, you've already come to that conclusion. Many people wanted this three years ago. This is just the speech of For a lot of Americans, you know, they really look at that. They, they can see this. No evidence. At least he had the good Zero manners to say, bribery. I'm just going to speechify here. I'm not interested in what you have to say. Zero evidence firsthand of any quid pro quo. And yet, impeachment is almost inevitable. And why? Because the leadership of this committee has been unfair and dishonest. And I know we hear these crocodile tears from some of my colleagues who are heartbroken because they finally have to impeach this president. And we know that's absurd. There's no heartbroken. There's no, there's no prayerful tears over this. They're giddy over this. And there's not a person in the country who doesn't know that. Everyone knows what they're going to do next. They're going to impeach the president and they're going to send it on to the Senate. But that is the good news. That's good news. You know, we've all been to a concert. You got the, you got the warm-up band, and then you got the main act. And what we've seen here is a warm-up band. This is kind of like the Sioux City Crooners. This is a, a band that no one's ever heard of. But the warm-up band is over, and now we're going to go on to the main event, and that's in the U.S. Senate. And in the US, U.S. Senate, there won't be any secret testimony. There's not going to be dishonest leadership or a chairman who refuses to let us ask appropriate questions or to deny a defense. Where in the world, where in the country do you have a trial where I the really prosecution think they're trying to presents provoke, their case and the defense uh, Adam isn't Schiff able into to? Adam Schiff saying or doing something that will hurt him. So we'll finally be able to get to the truth. So I'm talking now to my colleagues in the Senate. These are some of the witnesses that you need to call and these are some of the questions that you need to ask. First, you have to hear from the whistleblower. Now, they can choose to do that in closed session if they want to. I leave that up to them. But you can't initiate an impeachment of the President of the United States and not have to answer some questions. Who did he get his information from? Did he have the classification and the clearances to get that information? What's his relationship with Vice President Biden? Who has he shared that information with, including some members of the committee here? I think our own chairman needs to be called. 
What interactions did he or his staff have with the whistleblower? Did they help to coordinate or in any way facilitate the complaint? And this is all, the complaint? you know, did they coordinate the whistleblower is the guy who pulled the fire counsel? alarm. What about Hunter Biden? We already know now that there's How a fire. How did he get his job? But what they're trying to say is, How did don't he, you even do think about being salary? a whistleblower. And here's they're the saying key that to everybody this. else in the government, Look, if he goes don't even there, think about money, it because we will hunt out. you down. I don't care. But I want to know, did he have officials with, or conversations with government officials? And was government policy changed at a particularly high level because of some of those? Devin Archer, former board member from Brisbane. Alexandria Chalupa, former DNC official who admitted she provided anti-Trump information to the DNC and to Hillary Clinton. Nellie Orr from Fusion GPS, who helped to create the ridiculous Steele dossier. I'd like to remind us what I said yesterday. The American people expect a lot in politics. They understand the tussle, the fight, the debate. This is a but they Republican Chris Stewart. Basic fairness. Uh, and these proceedings have been anything but fair. The Senate has an to opportunity Hartman. to fix that. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. And let's try John in Springfield, Ohio. Hey, John, what's on your mind today? Yeah, Tom, I... Uh I want to focus on two things that Farina Hill said. Mm-hmm. She says our nation is being torn apart by Russia. Hill says we are running out of time to stop Russian 2020 election interference. Right. So that tells me that, that Mitch McConnell's involved in this, too, because he won't bring none of this legislation to the floor of the Senate that, you, that the House has passed. Right. See, I think that they know. Mitch McConnell knows. Trump knows. I mean, all you have to do is read the Mueller report. They know that Russia helped Donald Trump become president, that he owes his presidency in part to Russia. You know, largely it was American oligarchs and other things. But, you know, if Russia supplied that extra one sixteenth of a percent, you know, one little slice was, you know, just enough to get those 70,000 votes in those four states. Um, And so they're hoping that Russia will do the same thing again because they believe that Russia did it last time. That's what I think is going on with Mitch McConnell and the Republicans, the reason why they're refusing to bring up any election integrity legislation. Or they themselves have you know, been hacking the voting machines for years and years, and they know it. It's an inside secret inside the Republican Party. What do you think? Yeah, I'd go along with you, Tom. You're great. <laughs> yeah, okay. Thanks a lot, John. We'll see, we'll see how this shakes out. And, you know, and the Moscow-Mitch thing is really starting to grate on Mitch McConnell. There are billboards up all over Kentucky now, and his approval ratings are going down. We'll be back with more of the news and more of my thoughts and yours in this kind of national town hall meeting we have here every day on the Tom Hartman program. And in the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. Never was intended to be. It requires you. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.